grace rewrote my story I'll testify Well, if you're new here, we would love to have you grab one of these welcome cards. They're right in front of you. Go around and greet some of your family of faith. We're glad you're here with us this morning. Good to have you today. Uh, kids are going down to check in for kids' church. Um, so we'll make sure that happens. All right, tithe and offering time. So if you have... Um, some tithe or offering this morning, you can prepare that. Uh, if you need an offering envelope in the chair in front of you, there should be one. If not, wave your hand around. One of our ushers will help you out. And um, your tithe, uh, uh, God, God provides. Amen. 
and then we respond to the provision of God with our tithes. So the first fruit of your income, as God increases you, the first thing we do is we take our tithe out, our 10%, and we give it back to God, right? Because we know that God is our provider. Amen. So sometimes, sometimes um, people find themselves in a place in life where, where things are a little tight. Have you ever been there? It's a little tight financially. Anybody? Yeah, I think, I think everybody's been there. And sometimes we, we go the opposite way. Well, I'm going to make sure everything's taken care of. Then I'm going to see if there's enough for my tithe. But you kind of mix up the order there. You tithe, right? And then what you're saying is, my life of faith, I believe that God will provide in this season where it's a little tight, right? And God, how many, how many could tell stories about how God saw you through in financial times where it was tight? Yeah, amen. But we're givers and we live in that faith where God is our priority, he's our provider, and he always brings us through. So let's pray over your tithe and offering. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be in your house today and to continue in our worship and giving today as we bring forth our tithe and our offering this morning. I pray the blessing is upon the house and the people of the house, that, that you provide seed to the sower, and we are people who sow, Lord. And in that, Lord, that, that we're not sowing for a harvest so we build bigger barns for ourselves, but we sow and a harvest comes that we can continue to be givers and meet the needs of things around us. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, everybody says amen. All right, so as you're bringing that, I do have some important announcements today. First off is Vacation Bible School starts tomorrow. Amen. And we're excited about that. So tomorrow night, Tuesday night, and Wednesday night from 6 uh, to 8 o'clock, We'll be having Vacation Bible School here. And um, uh, what's going to be happening, by the way, is if you signed up to help with the Bible School, and we need your help, um, there's a meeting as soon as we dismiss after uh, we take communion today. We'll have a meeting right here, and I'm going to talk you through what's happening with the Bible School. Um, and then pretty much, because it's our first one, we're going to be kind of doing this on the fly starting tomorrow. We'll get our bearings tomorrow. Then we'll be good Tuesday and better Wednesday. So, but Pastor Jared's coming over from the Kenton campus to lead us. And he's just been sending me so much stuff and he's excited to come. So he's going to put it together, but we're going to help him do it. So meeting right after church right here. And uh, we'll just talk about what's happening uh, starting tomorrow night. Now, having said that, if your child is coming to the Bible school, and you did not get one of these, I don't know what color that would be, piece of paper, raise your hand up and Chris will get it out to you. So a couple people. What this is, is keep your hand raised up till Chris finds you. Um, this kind of gives an overview of what's happening. So tomorrow night, uh, each night there's a theme for the kids. So tomorrow night, uh, the kids can, if they want to, come in mismatched colors or entirely in their favorite colors. So tomorrow night, there's a theme of mismatched color. Uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, there's themes. And there's also uh, different things for them to be aware of through the week. So this is for parents, since so you know what's going to be happening with your kids a little bit over the next three days. So uh, if you missed that, you can pick one of those up at the back table. Now, having said that, because the Bible school is tomorrow night, there is no church-wide prayer tomorrow. Now, if you're like, me, yeah, I'd love to come pray anyway, we'll come help with the Bible school. Amen. So we'll take care of that business uh, from 6 to 8 again tomorrow night Bible, uh, Bible school. So no prayer tomorrow night. And by the way, 
um, Wednesday night, we, we have service Wednesday, but because the Bible school's already started, it'll be a little bit different for you Wednesday night when you come. So um, and I know those of you that are helping with the Bible school, you'll be helping with the Bible school during our church service. And our service normally starts at seven, right? So Bible school had already been going for an hour by the time you guys show up. So we'll figure it out on Wednesday night, but it'll be fun. So uh, Wednesday night service, we're still having it, but no church-wide prayer tomorrow. But today at five o'clock is Joy Fellowship right in here. So water's provided, bring uh, a, a covered dish to share. If you have questions about that, see Bill or Patsy and they will help you out. But that's always a good time. So it's a great time of fellowship and being together, eating some food and they, they go through some scriptures and all sorts of stuff. So see Bill and Patsy about that, but that is today at five o'clock. Uh, let's see couple things. Um, oh, yeah, this is a big one. Don't forget church dedication on July the 18th. So we're coming up in just two or three weeks from that. July 18th at 6 p.m. So we have our normal 10 a.m. service that day. Then we hope you all come back at 6 o'clock and invite somebody out. And we're going to have an evening service that will dedicate our building. Amen. And so uh, some of the other campus, the campus pastors will be here for it. Pastor Dosa will be here. Uh, we'll have a, a, some worship that night. That'll be a collaboration of some different uh, people from the campuses. But they're going to come and celebrate with us, and we're going to dedicate our building that night. So it'll be a great time. Uh, maybe if, if you've been wanting to bring somebody to church and they haven't been able to come, that might be a great way to introduce our church to them. So July 18th at 6 p.m. right here. Now, having said that, we, we do have some good news. Um, the Senior Center this week moved out. So blessings to them. Their building is, is done and ready. So I think on, I don't know what day it was, Thursday or Friday, they, they got all their stuff out. So, yeah, so that's good. So we're, we're, we're happy for them, but we're also happy for us. Now, what that means is now we have work to do. And, and, and of course, let me give you a real quick overview. So what you can do, by the way, when church is over today, if you want to, you can venture down the basement and kind of look around. It's the first time since we've been here that they don't have their stuff stored. So you can check things out. But pretty much the basement, once you turn around the corner, that's kids' church down there. That will turn into an uh, area for our kids, and, and we'll decorate it and all that kind of stuff. So there's going to be a, a bit of work to do uh, coming up here in the future. We'll, we'll have a couple work days like we did in the past. There, there's not the work downstairs that there was up here, but there are some things that we can do. So we'll, we'll come together and, and uh, begin to prep, uh, getting ready for paint and carpet, all that stuff in the basement. So we'll let you know about that. But just, sit, just make you aware, now that things are free, if you're kind of looking around, I'm going to give you a building tour. Okay, sound good real fast. So this room right here is simply a storage room, and it will always be a storage room. Okay, so... One of the things that churches do, by the way, and they build, they do all sorts of stuff, and they leave no room for storage. But this is storage room right here. This room right here will eventually be a small office, okay? So um, that room upstairs will eventually be a small group meeting room. So when we have small groups with electives, that will be a place where small groups can meet. And when you go downstairs and turn the corner and head the hallway, uh, you got bathrooms on the right, which we're going to be remodeling. The, and there's a kids' church bathroom, so the girls is going to be like a, huh, glam princessy. And then the boys is going to be log cabin, cool out anyway. So, but um, straight when you get to the end of the hallway, there's two doors. To the right is the mechanical room. That's where the, the heating units are and things like that. But it's also a storage room. 
then the room straight there is going to be a nursing mom's baby cry room, which will have a TV in it, which will have the service pipe down to it. So, and we got some little ones coming. I think we got three or four babies in the next few months they'll be born. That'll be a place you can take and change your babies, have a place if, if, if they're fussing during service, and you want to take them there, uh, that's a place they can be and you still watch the service. Then you turn the corner, the first two bigger rooms on the right and left will be kids' church rooms. And then there's two rooms at the end. One of those will be a small group meeting room also. And the other room will be also another kids' church room. So that's sort of what's happening. So you can go down and check it out. And now if you look, it, it, it looks like it needs work because it does. So we'll venture into that. But that's sort of what's happening with the building. And, and we're excited about that, and ex especially for our kids. For as long as you guys know, they've always been meeting all the age groups in one room. And finally, when we get to remodel, and by the way, increase our children's church volunteer staff, we'll be able to split age groups up and things of that nature. So, amen. So be praying about all that, the, the finances, and we just get it all done in a timely manner. Now, we're not going to try to get it done before July 18th. Not possible. But we're going to start getting work in progress uh, so people can come check it out when they come on the 18th. All right. Well, that's all I have to say about all that. So if you want to get your Bibles out, you may. Thank you, Canyon. First Peter chapter number one is where we're headed today. And we just finished up a seven or eight week series on the parables of Jesus. Um, oh, by the way, on Wednesdays. We've been, we've been doing a series called Dealing with Struggle. We're not going to do that this Wednesday because of the Bible school and just a lot of people are helping. But a week from this Wednesday, we're going to jump back into Dealing with Struggle. And we're going to talk about dealing with doubt. How many of y'all have ever struggled with doubt about something? We're going to talk about what it means to deal with doubt. That's not this Wednesday, but the next. But uh, Sundays, finished up Parables of Jesus. I'm not sure in the next week or two, two weeks or so, we're going to start a series on Faith, and we're going to talk about what faith is and what it means and, and uh, what it means to live by faith. So we'll start that here in a couple of weeks. But today, I just wanted to, in certain parts, encourage you, in certain parts, challenge you and whatnot. But let's go to 1 Peter chapter number 1. And what we're going to do is we're going to start with uh, verse number 12 and kind of set the table and go back after that to verse number 1. But we want to set the table for what Peter has to say to those that he wrote this letter to. Now, in the Bible, you have uh, several books in the New Testament are called the epistles. And the epistles is just a fancy word for letters. All right. So you have uh, like, like Paul and Peter and John. They wrote letters to uh, the growing and expanding church. People are being saved. They're coming into the kingdom. They're, they're being uh, devoting themselves to following Jesus. And they're scattered about. And so in order to bring some order to the expanding worldwide church as it's growing, there were letters that were written from the apostles uh, that were received by certain people, certain local gatherings of people and churches. These letters were copied, they were read, they were passed around. And the reason was because they simply wanted to ground people in what it means to follow Jesus. And the letters did all sorts of stuff. So if you read 1 and 2 Corinthians, uh, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1 and 2 Thessalonians, all, all these are letters that were written. The book of Hebrews is a letter that was written. Uh, it was one of the uh, books of, of the New Testament. Not quite sure on the authorship of it. Maybe Paul, but they're not sure. But these letters were sent out 
simply to help. To ground people in what it means to follow Jesus. Uh, in some cases, they're dealing with problems that were cropping up in local gatherings with people. Uh, they're dealing with, with heresy that was slipping into the church and certain teachings. Um, but they were simply there to incur. Sometimes they're, they're reminding people, don't fall into these certain types of sin, and so forth. But in general, one of the reasons the letters were sent was simply to encourage people. And to remind them that they must keep on in the things of the faith. Okay, so, and we see that with First Peter here, chapter number 1 and verse number 12. Therefore I, Peter, intend always to remind you of these qualities. And we're going to go back and, and talk about what he meant by that. Though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. Verse 13. I think it is right... As long as I am in this body, and, and by the way, Paul wrote this letter near the end of his life be, before he was, uh, um, was martyred for the faith, okay? Um, and, and said, as long as I'm in this body, watch this, to stir you up by way of reminder. So 2 Peter chapter 1, is verse 13 is where we're at. To stir you up by way of reminder. Where are we at? Let's go. That's 1 that's Peter. Let's go 2 Peter, please. That's where we're at. We're in 2 Peter. That was a very good verse, though. We could have preached on that. We'll come back and get that another time. But 2 Peter. Yeah, by the way, I would not want to be the person that deals with the media and sound stuff. Because it's just it's not easy to do. Right? And... and you know, and, and when, when something like that happens, there's just no hiding it. You know, oh, we're in the wrong verse. But they're doing a great job, amen? amen. And that trying to keep up with me is not easy. So they do a great job. So anyway, so let's go back. Second Peter chapter 1, verse number 12. Therefore, I always intend to remind you of these qualities, that you know them are established in the truth that you have. I think it is right, as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder. Peter is desiring to stir up those that are hearing this letter, receiving it, reading it, having, uh, having somebody read it to them, to stir them up. This is the job of the church. Now, we know the church is here to equip you. you don't, now, how many, how many of y'all enjoy fellowship at the church? That's not the main priority of the church. It is one of the priorities, but not the biggest one. The biggest priority is when you come, you're equipped to what? To live the Christian life when you leave here. And, and part of the things that happens when you are equipped is that we are to challenge you to stay stirred up. Right? How many know it's easy not to be stirred up right here? It's easy to become complacent and get lazy and, and get preoccupied with other things and forget what it means to seek first his kingdom and all these other things will be added unto you. We start chasing all the other things and don't prioritize the kingdom. So part of the church's job is when we come together at times to stir you up. So, so keep reading here. So Peter wants to stir up those that are receiving this letter. 
since I know that by putting off my body will be soon, as the Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me, I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. So Peter knows that he's near the end of his life, and, and he's been uh, revealed this by God. That he's going to be martyred soon. He knows this. His time's coming. But his goal is not only to stir them up, that after he is gone, that they're able to recall the things that he's talking about when he's gone. One of the greatest things that you can do with your life is leave a legacy. All right? That you leave something behind for others. So, it, by the way, in, in your, your personal life, I don't know if, it, if it's family, if it's friend, your, your church, whatever, that you work in such a way that you're leaving something behind of encouragement, of foundation. Uh, in other words, you don't live life where it's all about what you get. When you leave a legacy, you're thinking about other people. And Paul, know his, or Peter, knows his time is coming to an end. He wants to leave a legacy behind of the things of faith that people may recall as they're living their life, doing what they can do to follow Jesus. Amen. Now, I don't know about you. I am extremely thankful for, for different people at certain times of my life. And for instance, uh, when I was a teenager, I was not following Jesus. When I went to church, my parents made me go to church. I didn't want to go to church, but I went to church enough to satisfy them. I mean, know what I'm talking about. So uh, I, I was made to go to church on Sundays. I went. Wednesdays with youth group. I always had a reason why I did not need to go. Athletic practice, studies, which was a total fabrication. Um, you know, I always had reasons why I, I could not go. But when I did go, the youth pastor, his name is Pastor Bob, um, he knew in his heart where I was at in my life, but yet he still was constantly just kind of throwing things out. And in, in a certain way, he kept me tethered close enough that the Holy Spirit could get me at, at some point. He, he, he often he, he tried to encourage me, challenge me, stir me up. I'm thankful. I can think of people through my life that did these kind of things. How many know what I'm talking about? I am thankful for those people. As a church... You should welcome when people try to stir you up. You should welcome the encouragement of those around you. You should welcome the challenge of the church. Never get at a place where you just don't want to hear it anymore. Never be at a place where you're just agitated when somebody's trying to stir you up or challenge you in the faith. Okay? Welcome these things because it is the job that we do together so we can live the life that God has called us to live. So what is Peter stirring these people up about? So let's, let's go back to verse number one of chapter one. And we'll just start reading here and, and talking about this. Verse number one of chapter one. So Simon Peter, servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. And there's the authority from which this letter comes, the apostle of Jesus Christ. To those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
How many of you have attained a faith? Okay, so how many are saved? You've attained a faith of equal standing with the apostle. You know that? We are saved in the righteousness of God. And we all have this standing in him. And, and so, verse 2, May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. So, turn to your neighbor and say, Grace and peace to you. Tell him. Grace and peace to you. Let him know. Grace and peace to you. This is something we ought to always be giving and bestowing upon other people. That, that our activities of life are activities that are bestowing grace towards other people and peace towards other people. Now, that, that, that word peace there has a lot to do with the peace made in you because of the forgiveness of your sins. You have peace with God. It has something to do with that. But you think about your everyday activities of life. How much of what you do is graceful and bestowing peace upon somebody else? How much of it is totally opposite? You know what I'm saying? So, so it, it didn't happen. Let's say on the way to church this morning, Margaret and I get into an argument. How many ever argued with your spouse on the way to church? How many, how many ever wanted to kill your kids on the way to church? Anybody? Okay, let's be honest. Yeah, you're just, don't make me stop this car. You know what I'm saying? You're just like, we're going to church, and there you are acting like a bunch of crazy people, right? Sometimes in the moments of life, we do stuff, we think about it later, man, that, had, that was not graceful or bestowing peace upon that person in that situation. You know what I'm saying? We start thinking about life and all the things we do, my goodness, if we can learn to approach every situation by bestowing grace and peace in what we do, how much would our life change? And how much would we change other people by doing so? Can you imagine? So, so if we start to fight this morning and I catch myself and all of a sudden I act graceful and bestow peace, she would stop and go, what is your problem? <laughs> wait, wait a second. You're patronizing me, aren't you? Yeah, uh-huh. That's, that's how that would start. I'll be, no, 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 no. The Holy Spirit convicted me. And maybe she would believe me then. But imagine in every part of our life that we live in a way that is graceful and peaceful. You, you would change what you say a lot. You would change the actions that you do. You would stop trying to be right all the time. You'd stop trying to get your, your own all the time. We'd change a lot. Amen? Okay. That had nothing to do with my message, but I thought I'd throw it out there. A little extra for you. So verse 3. So this, this comes in different parts. So there's, there's an encouragement here, then there's a challenge, um, and then there's some markers of the characteristics he was talking about. Then, then it closes with a why right before verse 12. So here's the encouragement part. Verse 3. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and Godliness. Y'all are living life, and you've all been called the godliness in the midst of this life, have we not? Amen. But his, here's the encouragement. But in his divine power, you have what you need to live godly in the midst of this life. That should encourage you. 
Because God never calls you to things that he doesn't empower you to do. Amen. This is something we probably say a lot here, but it's an encouragement you need to really grab in your heart is we know that the race has been marked out for us. We can't ab-lib. We can't make this up as we go. The race has been marked out. How can I run this race? Well, God empowers you. So you've got to learn to lean into him and lean into his divine power to live the life of godliness. So through the knowledge of him who called us, to his own glory and excellence. So he's calling us to him in the glory of who he is. Verse 4. This, this is a long run-on sentence, by the way. By which he has granted to us the, his precious and very great promises. How many know God's promises are yes and amen? His promises are before you. His promises are based in his divine power. The result of his promises are his glory which we have the ability to live in, right? So that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. What is that? That is the newness of life. So how many of you have been forgiven of your sins? Do you know you've been set free from your sins? Now you have the opportunity because of that to partake in the divine nature. And the divine nature is simple. That's a fancy way of saying I get to live a new life. That's all that means. A new way of living, a new way of being human in the midst of a lost and messed up world. The, the light of the Christian life, we, we think, we think of, of, of being a light to the world that we've got to go knock on doors and, and tell people about Jesus. That's good. You can do that. But the light of the Christian life starts with a new way of living. As they see a new way of living life, that is the initial light to the world, that there is an alternative way to live in a messed up world. You don't got to do it the messed up way. You can do it the Jesus way. That's being a light to the world. So we get to partake in the divine nature. Now watch this. Having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. You can escape the corruption of this world that is here because of sinful desire. How do you escape the corruption? Live a new life. Do you realize you've been forgiven of your sin, set free from your sin, but you can fall back into your sin? You realize the prison door is swung open, but you can hang out in the jail cell if you want? You can escape the corruption of this world if you choose to walk into the newness of life that Jesus puts in front of you. Or you can just fall back into it. Right? You can, you can live and fall away from the grace afforded to you. You can pull back from the divine nature and continue to live in sin because it is desire to do so. And you are tempted in those desires so what are you going to do when you face with temptation? Choose the divine nature, newness of life, or go back to the old way of living. The old man is supposed to be gone with new come, right? Are you going to live in the new man or fall back into the old man? You don't have to. We need to learn to walk in. Now watch. Does God desire you to walk in the newness of life? Does he desire you to put the, for you to put the, away the old man? Yes. How can I do so? Remember, in his divine power. 
He gives us everything we need to live according to who he is. Amen? All right. I just lost my notes, so we'll wing it from here. All right, here we go. Now, here we go. Here, so that was sort of the encouragement. You can do this. His power enables you to do it. But verse 5, now here comes the challenge. For this very reason, for the very reason that you are set before you, the old corruption or the divine nature, for this very reason, here's the challenge, make every effort. So we need to stop here and talk about every effort. Can you be saved on your own? Can you do this without God? Does that mean there's no effort on your part? No. You're not saved by your works. But there's a life that flows out of your salvation that involves your effort. Right? Just like you face a choice. In facing a choice, you, there is an effort on your part because you do something. You make a choice and you do something. So there's effort. So Peter is saying in this challenge, you've got to make, listen, every effort. And then, then we'll talk about what he means by that. So here we come back to this, what he's talking about later, what we read earlier, stir you up. That we've got to live a life with his empowerment in stirring ourselves up to make every effort to do what? And he goes on to say to add to your faith. And he has a list of things. So everybody here has faith, right? So, so you've heard the gospel message. You responded to the gospel message. Faith was born in you through the gospel message. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the message of Christ, the word of God. So we respond. So we have faith. So everybody here has faith. If you're saved, you have faith. But Paul, is, or Peter, I keep mixing them up. Peter is challenging us. It's not just staying in a place where you say, well, I believe in faith. Add to your faith. Make every effort to grow. To live a life where there is a transformation that is happening. That you aren't satisfied with just simply believing. You're not satisfied with just simply having head knowledge about God. I believe, but then what? Make every effort to add to your faith, and now is a challenge to grow. To, to not be complacent. To not get lazy. To not stay just where you are in your, your place with Jesus. Well, I'm saved, so I have that status. Well, that's great, but that's, that's the first step. It's not the end. So Peter's saying, look, you have faith, but you've got to live in a way that you're giving effort to add to your faith. In other words, the growth of the Christian life. So, so Paul, or if he's the author of Hebrews, again, it's challenged a little bit. But, but in Hebrews, the end of chapter 5 and the beginning of chapter 6, whoever writes it, it kind of throws out this challenge. Look. By now, some of y'all ought to be teachers, right? But yet you're still hanging on to the spiritual milk. We've got to get beyond always having to deal with just the foundational things. And in, in, in the beginning of Hebrews 6 is what we call the six basic doctrines. And we've got to move beyond these things. In other words, there is a growth challenge of the Christian life. That I guess you could put it this way. Uh, you look back on your life especially if you've been following Jesus for a while, and you should see some progress of change, right? 
Now, is it always easy? No. Is it, is it without ebbs and flows? No. Is it, is, it, is it just easy button stuff? No. But we, because of his divine power, have an opportunity to partake in the divine nature and grow in the newness of life. If you will put effort with the working of the Holy Spirit. I've always, I've always wondered about, uh, let's say, even Peter himself. Let, let's say Peter, I was just reading, I was, I was reading a, a, a biography of, of somebody not long ago, just last month. And, and the writer of the biography, this man has, has passed away in the last couple of years, I think. And the writer of the biography knew the family. But the guy that the biography was about, he, he was a writer. He was a pastor. He was also a writer. He's authored many, many books. And in, in the, just his nature, he kept extensive daily journals that were very open and honest. Okay? And the writer of the biography had access to his daily journals. So, so the biography, even though he, he was a great man, didn't hide his flaws. It was a very honest book. Okay? Can you imagine if we had that kind of daily journal of Peter's life? We, we would see a life that did this probably. Just, listen, just like ours. You know? He struggles and maybe doubts and things, things he went through and, and questions and, right? But yet Peter, knowing his own life, even wrote that he is an apostle, the ups and downs of his life didn't disqualify his standing. In knowing his own life is still challenging us, keep moving forward. Keep growing. It's not always easy, but make every effort to add to your faith. And don't stop. Is a lifelong process of walking with Jesus and, and discipling with Jesus and walking the narrow road, all the different ways in Scripture we find that that same thing is kind of talked about, that we need to keep pushing forward and don't give up. In other words, that Peter's desire for us to stay stirred up in these things. So, so watch this. Here's a list. It's, it's not anytime you find a list somewhere, generally it's not an all-inclusive list. Uh, Peter, uh, Paul does this several times in his letters that he writes. But here's some things that, that Peter is marking out to add to your faith. Start, uh, verse 5 again. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith or add to your faith with virtue. In other words, goodness. Goodness is, is a way of making decisions about other people that reflect the goodness of God in you. It's the way you treat people. Add to your faith goodness. And he, then he goes on to say, then, uh, then add to your goodness or add to your virtue with knowledge. In other words, you continue to grow in your understanding of God. And with knowledge, self-control. In other words, that your life is reflective of the divine nature that you claim to partake in. And self-control with steadfastness or perseverance, that even in the face of hardship and trouble that you keep going and don't give up. 
and steadfastness with, with godliness. In other words, our life is a reflection of, of the godly nature, who he is. That, that's, a, that's a big thing. And godliness with brotherly affection. The Greek there is the word Philadelphia, brotherly love. In other words, in the body of believers, that we live a way of affection and love towards those in the faith, in the family of faith. And with that, then, brotherly affection with love. That, that word uh, Greek is there is agape. In other words, the love that is born from God, that the perfect love of God that we grow in, that we learn to love our neighbor as ourselves. So here's a list of things. Not all-inclusive, not the end of it. You can think of the fruit of the Spirit. You can think of the Beatitudes that Jesus spoke in the Sermon on the Mount. There, there's lots of things, but it, it paints a picture of adding to your faith a life that's changing and being reflective of the Savior that we say we serve, in other words, participating in the divine nature. Add to your faith. Grow. And don't stop. Now, if, if you, again, if, I'm, I'm going to read between the lines. I'm going to make an assumption. I shouldn't do that a lot, but I'm going to hear right here. If we asked Peter or checked out his daily journal, would he be perfected in all these things that he just listed? I'm going to guess not. I'm just going to take a guess. I may be wrong. But Peter's probably in challenging his own self in his writing. I'm going to continue to grow in my knowledge and goodness and brotherly affection and love. And he's writing knowing that the end of his life is near and perseverance in the face of hardship. The challenge to stir yourself up. The church should consistently challenge you to stir yourself up. If the church does not challenge you in that way, the church is not doing its job. And, 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 you know, if you read the epistles, you know, a lot of times the challenges come very lovingly, but sometimes they're kind of stern. This is sort of lovingly. Sometimes Paul's a little stern in his, his writings, if you read them. The church, we should be out front with an idea and an understanding that the Christian life is a life of the newness of life, and you must make every effort to add to your faith. And keep going and keep growing, and don't get complacent. Amen. Now, why? What's the point? Well, he goes on to talk about that. Let's pick this up. Verse 8. For if these qualities are your and are yours and are increasing, in other words, they will increase, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You don't want to be somebody who claims to be a Christian, but yet is ineffective and unfruitful. You don't want a life that will be marked as ineffective and unfruitful. In other words, through the way that you live, you're living in the knowledge of Jesus, and these things start to grow in you, they will have an effect in the world. And they will produce fruit in keeping with righteousness and the advancement of the kingdom. Amen. That's being the light of the world. Let's keep going. Now, now here comes kind of a harsh, harsh word. It says, For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Man, if you are not staying stirred up 
and growing in, the, in, in what we consider the nature and qualities of Jesus himself, that some of these are listed here, you're actually blind to yourself and how you're short in the way you should be living according to divine nature. Right? That we must be about the understanding that I must be reflective of who Jesus is. But now watch this. When I come to church, obviously, brotherly love, brotherly affection. You ever been offended at church? You ever been turned off or hurt by somebody in church? Did the pastor ever make you mad? Probably. But are you living in brotherly affection? If not, you end up being ineffective and unfruitful. Okay, so your 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 workplace tomorrow. Yay. Exciting start to the week. Are you living there in a way that you're effective and fruitful? You're hanging out with your family later this afternoon. Are you living in a way that you're being effective and fruitful? Because you're, you're living in a way that the divine nature is coming through you. You're growing in things like this. This is light of the world stuff. That we are to live in this way. In all circumstances. Well, well why? Well, it has an impact now. It has effectiveness now. But when, when it goes on to verse 10, Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your election and calling. In other words, it is, it is a, a confirmation of the, the way that you say that you live and follow Jesus. But if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. Amen. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. These kind of things are never in vain. You know that? For living in a way that you're making every effort to add to your faith, our life in him is never in vain, even if it doesn't feel like there's reward here because there's richly reward to come. Amen. So when you go to your workplace tomorrow and you're, you're with every effort adding to your faith and that with the divine power of God to live effective and fruitful in your workplace and it just doesn't seem to be working because nobody else is living that way. It's okay. There's a reward to come because your work is not in vain. But because of your knowledge of him, you know I must work to live this way because it confirms my calling and my election, in other words, my salvation. Amen? So today I just wanted to challenge you. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't get sidetracked. Don't get focused on other things so much that you lose sight. But make every effort, listen, every effort's every day. Make every effort to continue to add to your basic belief to grow in the characteristics that are reflective of our Savior. Amen? 
Does the rest of the world live this way? No. They're still lost in the corruption of their, their sinful desires. But we must be a light to the world in order to bring them into the kingdom. Amen. Amen. So challenge yourself. So turn your never, say, don't give up. Tell them don't quit. Keep after it. And actually tell them, you know what, I may even help you. So before we take communion day, how, how can you help? So ask somebody around you, is there anything I can pray for you about? Go ahead and ask them. Ask them, is there anything I can pray for you about? Ask them. Uh, is, uh, you know, maybe even, okay, is there something I can do for you, you know? Are we doing this together? Yeah, we, we got to help each other. That, that's part of the, the faithful family of faith, right? Pray for each other. Help each other. We're, we're going to keep after this. So, so as a pastor, if I come to you and challenge you personally, don't be offended at me. I'm just doing my job. I, I, I would be held accountable to him if I didn't do those things. Is that right? Don't despise encouragement and those kind of things. Don't despise it. Receive it and allow it to stir you up. Amen? All right. The ushers are going to bring tables out this morning. We're going to close with communion. We, we just have the prepackaged stuff today, so we'll, we'll use this. But in just a second, when there's other tables out here, I'm going to invite you to come down and, and get the elements and you can, you can stay down here, take them back to your seat, gather as a family, do what you want to do. But how about we all stand up this morning and you can make your way down and grab one of these. back up and, and uh, get the elements out. You know, we can participate in the divine nature because of this right here. This was the doorway for new life. This was the doorway to everlasting life. Amen. It is the work of the cross, bodily death and shed blood that we can live in the things that he has called us to live. Amen? So this morning, if you were 
grab the, what's representative of the body of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for a body broken for us in willing sacrifice. As Philippians 2 says, that you became obedient to death, even death on a cross. For your purpose to come to earth, Advent, to come and to break into this lost world was not only to give us foundational way to live, but then to be the sacrifice, the final sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice to take away the sins of the world. For as John uh, the Baptist proclaimed about you, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So this morning, as we partake of the broken body, we partake in remembrance of what you have done. Physical death on the cross. And we thank you for it. Let's partake of that together. And with the broken body was shed blood. For it's the shed blood that we find reconciliation with God, the forgiveness of our sins, for the blood covers our sins. And in the blood of Jesus, we stand in forgiveness and righteousness. For you have justified us, and we can live sanctified in you because your blood, the perfect blood, the perfect sacrifice, washed away our sins. So this morning as we partake of this cup, we do it in remembrance of your shed blood. Let's partake together this morning. We close out today. If you just, just raise your hands up and worship him just for a moment. We praise you, Jesus, and we worship you. We thank you, Lord, for all you have done. Things that we can never fully repay you for, but just simply to follow you and live in you and by you and live for you. So we worship you today and we thank you today and we praise you today for your glory, for your glory. In Jesus' name, everybody says amen, amen, amen. Well, yes, Patsy, she raised her hand up. Yes, we're going to come down. Maybe we'll join uh, 